one woman says, my number one reason is the support network. The women here are truly wonderful. And even if this had nothing to do with business, I would want to hang out with these women anyway. I love the evening time when we are encouraged to bring our wine and connect as if we were all sitting in your living room or on your terraza. Aside from that, though, the content you are presenting is very useful and helps guide us through the different aspects of a business. We are learning as well as enjoying our time together. Win, win. That is from one of the current members of the Teresa Club. The doors are now open for you to join the fun. This community is for you if you are seeking growth, if you're building a business. Maybe you just have an idea and you aren't sure how to take action on it or make something happen. Maybe you need some accountability as you're working on your marketing or setting your goals. Maybe you just want to learn and you want to connect with other women who are also hungry to learn more from experts around the world. If any of those things sound like you, we would love to have you join us. Please visit theterasa.club to find out more information or contact me via Instagram or my email. It's also in the show notes today and we would love to have you join us. Welcome to Embrace the Musica. I'm Dominique Dines, who at the age of 21 moved abroad to Mexico to start teaching after growing up in a small town in Minnesota. My husband is from Peru, and we met salsa dancing over a decade ago in Guadalajara, Mexico. Here we are today, raising two tricultural kids and making the most of life and community in a place that neither of us grew up in. We speak more Spanish than English at home and do a lot of salsa dancing in the kitchen. Embrace the Musica was started right before COVID-19 and is meant to be a place where we can be vulnerable about our story, the good, the bad, and the ugly parts that make us who we are today as we are constantly growing. I also love hearing about other people's journeys. So on many episodes, I get to invite incredible women onto the show to encourage us all. So let's embrace the Musica today. Well, welcome everybody to Embrace the Musica. I'm so excited to have Hannah with me here today. She's going to tell us a little bit about her story, but before she does that, I always like to tell um, the audience like where I met the people I'm talking to. And what's funny is Hannah and I have actually connected during the pandemic primarily via Zoom and just chatting about business and life and translation, which she'll tell us more about in a minute. So it's so great to actually get to uh, see you. We can see each other right now. And I'm so excited to hear your story, Hannah. If you can just tell us a little bit about where you're from, what brought you to Mexico, and a little bit about your story. We'd love to hear it. Sure, well, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Um, So I'm originally from London, from the UK, um, and I came to Guadalajara when I I'm on a year abroad uh, program through my through my university when I was 21, um, so a while ago now, <laughs> and um, I initially came just for the year, like a lot of us do. Um, very kind of typical story, I think, among some of us expats, and. Um, I ended up meeting my now husband during that year and since then we've we've been back and forth we spent I came back to Mexico for a while and then we also lived in London for 
four to five years and now we've been back in Guadalajara for nearly six years I think um so we we tried out both countries and then decided that Guadal- well decided that Mexico is where we wanted to settle um so so yeah so I so I, I, I originally came to study and um and then I just ended up staying as so many of us do <laughs> I love hearing that because you're exactly right. And so many of the women that I've interviewed have that same story. Maybe they came for different reasons, whether it was studying or a job. But so many of us, here we are, like a decade and some later. So I love that. It's, Did you, yeah. and when you were studying here, were you studying Spanish or were you studying for university or what was? Yeah, so I was on, so I was in the middle of a degree um, with my university in the UK, which was, it was called Hispanic Studies. It was, um, it was basically a mix of language, literature, linguistics, translation. It was a really cool, it was actually a really cool program. Um, and it was a four year degree and the third year was abroad in Mexico. Well, it was abroad somewhere Spanish speaking and I chose Mexico, which was super kind of crazy at the time because everyone going to Spain which is obviously you know kind of natural choice because it's close to home and more familiar for us and over in Europe and then Mexico a friend and I just decided to be a little bit more adventurous and and try out Mexico for the year so we, we came not knowing anything about Mexico really like there wasn't much at the time um, you know we didn't really like know anything about Mexican food or Mexican culture at all like being all the way over in England and um so it was a real, a real adventure, and yeah, we had the most, we had the most amazing time. And, and during the year, I was studying at the UDG, um, University of Guadalajara, on one of their campuses. So I was there for the whole year, um, studying, but mostly partying and traveling and doing everything but as, studying. As you said, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I was 21, which is crazy to think about now because 21 seems so young. But yeah, he, that's it was, funny. Yeah, I it was actually a great time. I moved to Mexico when I was 21 as well so that's funny oh wow we have that in common yes yeah and it's crazy looking back thinking I was so young (laughs) I know and I I just remember getting on a plane and being like bye to my parents see you in a year and not knowing what was ahead of me and yeah it's crazy to think back now now so you came to Mexico and you studied when you decided to move back did you already have a job here or what's kind of your career path been? Because I know what you're doing now, but I don't know what you were doing yeah. before. Yeah, it took me a while to get to translation. Um, I tried out lots of different things. I kind of came back for love, you know, initially and it was, oh, I'll just spend another summer here and then maybe we'll break up and go our separate ways. I kind of didn't really know that there was a whole future in Mexico. I was just kind of coming back one more time. And in that time, we did. I did so much. We actually, my now husband and I spent a summer in Playa del Carmen just working. I worked at a hotel. He worked, well, we did different jobs. And then when I came back to Guadalajara, I, I taught in language schools. I taught English. I taught in um, some, some primary and secondary schools. Um, it took me a while to find translation as what I, even though I always loved it during university, I kind of didn't really see how I could make it work for myself as a freelancer and then I met some other um, translators who were doing, um, there's a master's program at the Autonoma University which is a master's in translation and interpreting and my roommate at the time was doing it so I met all, we had like a whole translator group that I met and that's how I got into freelance translating but um, for a while it just, I couldn't make ends meet with it. It was so like any, you know, starting out 
for yourself and like freelancing it can be so the beginning can be so hard and I just remember those early days of thinking like I'm never going to be able to make this into a full-time career like I'm never going to be able to pay the bills with this money um but little by little by little I managed to get regular clients and 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 yeah I still was doing at that time I was still doing a lot of teaching you know to to make sure that I had the income and then it slowly transitioned into just translation so I love hearing that because so many of our friends are also like in the starting stages of their own business and it's really hard at the beginning because you're often juggling another job that maybe you don't love as much but you're doing it because you have to to make ends meet as you said so I think it's important for people to hear how things start because yeah, I mean, it's it's hard at the beginning. And now, can you tell us a little bit about your business? You've mentioned that you do translation, but what does that look like and who are your clients? Who are you working with? Yeah, so I'll just mention as a little like side note that I after, after that period, I actually stopped what I was doing with translation and moved back to the UK and had a four to five year break of doing other things. <laughs> so it was kind of like a big, it was like a break in my career just as I was getting really started with translation but that was fine it was what I needed to do at the time and I had some other cool like I had some jobs that I enjoyed back in in England doing completely different things which which helped me in other ways but when I moved back to Mexico just nearly six years ago that was when I was like right I'm going to really try and make translation work again and I was able to pick up a few of my old clients from before that I kept in touch with over the years and I was also joined rejoined the Mexican Translators Association which I'd been a member of um, before and I knew quite a few people through that so I tried to kind of really immerse myself back in the in the industry over here and um, and yeah at the beginning it was freelancing again which was just um, me and um, just kind of taking what I could get with different translation work stuff that came my way advertising in different ways and then I slowly transitioned it into a small business um, which I think there's a very fine line between freelancing and like you know solopreneur and and a small business because really it's really just me I mean when you look at it, it the the website and the brand and everything probably makes it look bigger, you know, than it is, which I know is the case for a lot of small businesses. But it's me and I work and I have a network of translators and language service providers that I outsource to or subcontract and work with as a kind of network. Um, and but it was a, it was like a slow transition from freelancing into more of an established, structured business, um, which has just helped with trying to get bigger clients, with trying to present myself as a business rather than just me um, in lots of different ways like that. So, um, so, so yeah, that's where I'm at now. I've been trying to grow it for the past um, kind of three to four years. Um, there's, and it's been, it's been going well. I'm, 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 it's always, it's always a work in progress. It's always like not where you want it to be, but it's, it's going, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. slowly, it's slowly going. Yeah. And I think, I mean, a lot of us can say that too about different endeavors. Yeah. And so just in case somebody's listening who doesn't quite understand, when you say you're doing translation, you are, I'm guessing pre pandemic, you were like actually in person at events, like translating events yeah. from English to Spanish or Spanish to English. Yeah, so it's a real mix. So, so there's written translation, which is um, can be anything from documents to websites to software to, like you know, sat at your computer 
typing, um, translating. Um, and then there's interpreting, which is um, spoken um, translation, and that can be simultaneous or, or, um, or uh, consecutive, which is where you have like, where you accompany people in business meetings, which I did a lot of, or, you know, people would come to conferences here in Guadalajara from, from somewhere else, and they'd need someone with them all the time, um, translating around the different meetings. I really loved that type of work pre, pre-pandemic. Um, and then there's conference interpreting, which is where you're sitting in a cabin, you know, with in a little booth with your, with your headsets, which is really difficult because it's quite high pressured and, and like almost like you're performing um and then and so yeah so most of what i do is written translation um and i like doing like marketing i also do some copywriting for clients um i mean marketing type translation like that kind of style um because it can be a bit more creative um copywriting editing proofreading um it all comes under like the language services um kind of umbrella so we we offer a range of a range of services but it's it's mo- the where most of the demand is, is is written translation legal documents okay. um all that kind of thing so yeah because i yeah. guess as you were saying that in my mind i was thinking it was mostly like interpretation like simultaneous but that was more because i know one of the conversations we had a few months ago now was you were saying that a lot of these you know, the Zoom conference world we've been living in now for eight, 17 months also opened up quite a few new doors, right? Like where you were suddenly right. needed maybe more or maybe you. Right. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about what it's been like during the pandemic. Yeah, it's so it started off as, you know, everyone freaking out as in most industries and then finding a way to kind of adapt and make it work and find silver linings. Um so something that came up for me was yeah was Zoom interpreting. So Zoom developed a new feature on their on their platform, which was for simultaneous interpreting, which enables interpreters to be there live interpreting and not disrupt the flow of the meeting or the event, um, so people can listen in the language that they want. So that was really cool. So we started you know, clients started reaching out for that and we started promoting that a little bit more and doing, um, you know, teaching people how to use that feature. Um, so that was that was cool. A lot of interpreters say that they, you know, miss the in-person stuff, obviously, but it's actually, there's a lot of pros of being at home and not having to, like, get stay in traffic, you know, like sit in traffic to go to, like, a conference or an event at the other side of the city and everything that comes with that. So... So it's, yeah, it's, it's had its like, it's pros and cons definitely. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And I think we've seen that, I mean, in all industries and I know I've talked about education before in the podcast since that's my background, but it is funny, like how as hard as, as, as hard as it has been, like having all these virtual meetings, that is one advantage is that we do work at a bilingual school. And so it's nice that our meetings can all be in both languages at the same time and it's yeah differentiated you know like for whoever needs whatever language so it's nice in that sense um for sure i think it's amazing and like some of the a lot of the covid like in the different governments in the different states around you know the us and where else like they've been able to do these like these webinars and sessions and meetings in both languages and Mm -hmm. it's so important you know to have that language access for everyone so for sure so yeah what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's listening? We do have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen, like for somebody who's starting a business and you kind of already touched on this, talking about your own journey and having to maybe stop for a few years, then jump back into it. Do you have any advice for anybody? 
Um, I would just say from past experience that you really do need to love what you do, um, which sounds like an obvious thing to say, but um, I tried to start a different small business a while back in something completely different and um, just for a little while and I didn't I wasn't passionate enough about it to really put my everything into it and it kind of fizzled out and I it just made me realize that you do need to you know it needs to be something that you're going to wake up in the morning and be excited to do because at the end of the day you're not answering to anyone apart from yourself so it all comes from you which can be really tough at times and but it means that you really do need to to love and, and feel passionate and excited about the concept or the service or the or the product or whatever it is that you're doing um and yeah and know that you're that, that you will that you will continue to love it um although you can't always guarantee that um so I, I think that's that's the main thing um but I would just say to anyone listening you know just to go for it like <laughs> life is short and if you have an idea and um you know really want to want to try something new then then just to go for it because the worst that can happen is that it fails and you know that's that so yeah I always like to ask yeah. myself that question like what's the worst that could happen like I might as well just give it a try and I think you're right like you don't know until you try it and then you'll see if it's what you want to pursue or not but it's definitely worth the risk um so I want to circle back to something you said at the beginning. You talked about it a little bit, but I didn't ask you. You said you met your husband, you're now husband here, but you were dating for a while. And I'm just curious, how has your experience overall been in Mexico, living here, being from the UK, but you said you purposely or intentionally chose to come back to Mexico. So I'm curious, like what went into that decision? And if you can tell us a little bit, like how has it been? Yeah, for sure. So, so I always, you know, loved Mexico. I loved it studying here. I loved it like in my 20s when I moved back here. I was just always so attracted by the, by the culture, the people, the weather, the everything, you know, we, I think a lot of us expats understand when we say that, you know, it's just, it's just a real love for the country. Um, so I was always kind of pulled back here. And um when we decided to move back to England, um, kind of in our mid twenties, we um, always had at the back of our mind that we would uh, come back to Mexico. It was always like a kind of distant plan, like, oh, we'll come back eventually and kind of settle. But for now, let's try out London. And I just wanted to be around my friends and family for, for a while as well. And then what was supposed to be a couple of years turned into nearly five years because we both really liked our jobs and, and just kind of liked London life and ended up staying longer. Um, but it was always at the back of our mind. And then when um, both, well, my husband got made redundant from his um, his company and I was kind of getting fed up with, with my job for a number of reasons. And we just, it was just a good time to say like, let's make the move back. <clears throat> so we decided to just just do it and, and move back as I said almost six years ago um, and start our lives again here or continue our lives to continue off from where we left off and um, and I just thought it would be a great place to settle really like for a number of reasons lifestyle what you can get for your money um, in terms of property and space and um, the climate and also a big part of it was working for ourselves we both really wanted to start working for ourselves and we just didn't see a way forward with that in London just due to the 
cost of living um you know like it's it was just buying property is impossible because of the market there it's just um it's everything is just so so expensive so um we just thought you know we can we can really like and if and we actually had a um a little kind of pact that we were like we'll move back to mexico and we'll try to start our own businesses and if after a year you know we're like not making any money and it all goes to you know we'll just move back to london and it'll be fine you know it was kind of like a trial thing and we kind of shook on it and we were like okay this time in march whatever it was i remember doing it and luckily like we didn't need to <laughs> luckily we we started and it took a while but we we managed to fall on our feet here as um and um and yeah and we're still loving it like we we i think it was definitely the right decision to move back I love that. And I love the pact, like the, yeah. the mutual decision making is so important, especially when you have yeah. two different cultures and there can be pulls either way. Like I totally have experienced oh, that sure. myself and I know that can be true. Um, for sure. Alex, Alex was really lucky that I was so willing to move back because people always say, you know, like, was it like Alex wanting to move back and you wanting to stay in England? And I was like, no, actually, it was me, the one kind of pushing to move back to Mexico. And he probably could have stayed a few more years. But I was like, no, we need to go back and, you know, start out there. So. So, yeah, it was we were lucky in that sense. Well, and like you said, I think there's so much to love here. And I mean, the weather is one, the food, the laid back lifestyle. And then, yeah, there's just some comforts here that you can find with like the price of things and whatnot. Um, now, one of the things you've mentioned to me, and I know you want to talk about it today, is also with all the good things that you've just shared, you've also had a hard journey through infertility. And I know a lot of the women I've interviewed actually on the podcast and a lot who listen have as well. So I admire you for wanting to talk about it and just tell us a little bit, but can you talk about that experience, how how it's been going for you and Alex? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I, I, I thought it would be cool to talk about because you know, it's it's one of those things that is hard to talk about and people don't, it's hard for women to talk about and hard to be, to know how to talk about it and then to know how to support other women going through it. So I, I just have recently been thinking a lot about ways that I can support, even though I'm still going through it, but ways that I can support other women or other expat women who are also going through it because it's such a difficult journey and it doesn't get talked about enough although it, it does more and more you know but it's it's difficult so um so yeah it's it's been a really difficult journey for Alex and I um since we well for the past kind of I think it's coming up to five years um and we um We've been through many, many rounds of IVF here in Mexico. Um, lots of different, from what me, like surgery, procedures, experimental treatments, like every single thing in the book, which is why I also feel like a little bit of an expert on the topic. And I feel like I should use that that expertise and, and, and all the different like clinics and doctors and navigating the system here, which is also such um, a difficult thing to do if you're not from here. and you don't have your friends and family as a support network, um, knowing which doctors to go to and going, and as it's a difficult thing to talk about, you know, how to find the right doctors without, you know, if you don't feel comfortable telling people. So, um, so it can be just a real, it can, there's so many layers to the journey, you know, there's the mental, the physical, the emotional, uh, the relationship, um, being an expat, being away, you know, there's, there's so, so much to it. Um, and so, 
it, yeah, it's been a very difficult journey, but um, we've, you know, obviously, like with everything, you know, you just, you get through it, you do the best you can. There are good times and bad times. Um, I've been really lucky to have, you know, great friends here to support to support us and um it's given us also different opportunities that we wouldn't have necessarily had if we if we had had kids back then you know we've done a lot of traveling we've done we've grown our businesses we've um we've tried to make the absolute most of you know not having kids and not being able to have kids at this time um and so now we've actually started um the process of surrogacy which um which is really cool and something that we thought that of you know we've been thinking about for a few years now since finding out that I might not be able to carry for myself um and we've yeah we're in the process of that which is a whole other <laughs> um journey and ball game and brings with it a million different things um especially in Mexico um but we're really kind of hopeful and excited about about like this this new journey um, that we're on. But it's it's still a long road ahead, and hopefully, you know, we'll we'll get there in the end. But um, but yeah, I wanted to just talk about it because I thought that it would be a cool space to just invite as well if anyone's listening or you know other expat women if they ever need advice or support or just to vent or you know just something to someone to talk about who's who's literally been through every single part of it that you can imagine um yeah I'd love to I'd love to I'd love to talk to anyone that's struggling in any way so yeah, yeah. no and I I love that and that's part of this community and I think this that's the power in sharing our stories because nobody nobody would know if you weren't willing to share that with us right um, and so have you found, like, if, I'm just curious, um, how have you found like the doctors or how do you even start that path? Like, do you know, are there certain people in Guadalajara to talk to? Have you had to travel to other cities? Like, what does it look like? Um, it's been very difficult to be honest. Like, I think going on recommendations, you know, here it's like in Guadalajara, everyone can recommend a doctor and everyone knows someone and it's a small world with stuff like that so word of mouth um people recommending different clinics different doctors um there's you know a couple of really well-known fertility doctors um so we, we've kind of and we've, we've been with lots of different doctors which is why as well I feel like you know I can kind of give pros and cons of different places and different types of clinics different types of doctors there's the bigger clinics the smaller clinics um and we have traveled to, we actually went to the, to the US for one of the treatments, which was a whole different experience. And it was interesting com to compare the two. Um, but I would say Mexico is actually a really great place if you do have fertility struggles, because um, A, it's, I mean, it's like, you know, a quarter of the price of anywhere else. Uh, well, the US and England I'm talking about. Um, and B, um, you know, like with a lot of the medical care in Mexico, it's really great, really great medical, like sister, uh, medical care. I mean, the the service that you get and the doctors and the treatments and the hospitals and everything is first class. So, I mean, depending on where you go, obviously, but if you can. Um, so a lot of people come to Mexico from the US for fertility treatments um, and you know, have really great experiences. So, um, so I would recommend it as a place. And I, and I think my husband and I always say like silver linings and 
if we'd have been in England or if we'd have stayed in England, you know, who knows if we'd have even been able to afford or do half the things that we've been able to do. So actually being in Mexico in that sense has been a blessing in disguise that we've been able to do everything, including things, you know, that, yeah, unaffordable in other or not even options, because sometimes here they offer kind of really quite extreme options that they don't even really offer in other countries straight out, you know, so, um, so that's been that's been really lucky. <laughs> Good to know. And also to see that silver lining, because that's I hadn't thought about that piece of it either. Um, How would you recommend like if someone who's listening, if we have friends who are also struggling with infertility, like what's the best way that you would feel supported or that you do feel supported um, with a struggle? Yeah, it's it's you know, it's it's really hard. It's hard for friends. Uh, it's, it can be really hard for friends to know how to how to support a good friend going through it. Um, you know, there's been times where you can you can even fall out with friends over it because it's just such a difficult thing to navigate, um, especially you know at the age when when everyone is having children and there's it can be very difficult emotionally in terms of you know lots of different you know jealousy and um feelings of you know um you know depression like lots of different things that come with it um so it can be very hard for friends to know what to say how to say it how often to check in how often not to check in when you need your space when you don't and there's no there's no correct answer um it's it's just I think just being there I think checking in as much as possible trying to be sensitive in terms of um thinking about okay you know maybe if I have kids and this person doesn't have kids and really wants them what you know it's difficult to know but what to say but just just trying to be as sensitive as possible with with certain things um and and just being understanding because I think people like with any illness or any difficult time in your life with anything some days you feel good some days you feel bad some days you want to be sociable some days you don't want to be sociable um you know friends need sometimes need to be really understanding and I've had friends who I feel sorry for because you know I cancel plans I you know there's been times when I haven't been to things I've missed out on different events or I've been in the middle of IVF treatments a lot of the time so I just haven't felt like doing certain things and friends I think have you know it can be disappointing sometimes when a friend is always flaking on you but but you're good to understand you know so just being patient I think patient and knowing that the friendship's not really going to change it just might it just might be it just might be difficult for a while you know like with with other things so yeah, um, I think but yeah yeah, I think, Sorry, no, I was just going to say, I think like listening to you talk, I think it's that empathy piece and remembering that there's, I mean, we all have stories that aren't told and things, you know, that are happening when nobody else may know they're going on. So, right. Yeah. Right. Um, how has it been for you as a couple through this? I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about oh. that or not, because I, <laughs> just fine. I, didn't ask, I didn't tell you beforehand that I was going to ask that. It just, no. I just thought of it now. No, it's fine. It's it's um it's been a real roller coaster. Um real roller coaster like with, you know, marriage in general, but with that added layer, um it's it's been again silver linings. Like we've 
I feel like it's brought us stronger, uh, brought us closer together and stronger than ever because I feel like now we can kind of face anything, you know, um, and we've really been through a bit of a rough ride with it. And there's been times where, you know, one of us hasn't been okay. And then the other one, you know, supporting the other one, but also feeling, you know, bad themselves. So it can, it can be really, really tough on a couple. And I used to read at the beginning of our journey, I used to read about things, you know, couples getting divorced due to, due to infertility. And I used to think like, oh my God, I can't imagine that ever getting to a point where you can't, as a couple but now I can see it you know not that we've not that we've been close in that way but there's been times where they things have been you know difficult really really difficult as a couple for us to be able to be there for each other for us to be able to lift each other up when we you know when we don't feel like it and also just the constant constant hormones I mean <laughs> take everything else and just put in just put in the you know the shots and the hormones that you need to take for the treatments co- pretty much constantly for for however many years and it really does something to <laughs> I mean you know we're like you know around the time of the month and times that by a million so um it can be yeah it can be difficult for that in that sense as well so I mean I can only imagine and so (laughs) thank you for sharing that because I think it always helps when we hear people's stories and hear that someone else has gone through this is going through this and it's real like and you know I think it's important to talk about it so I appreciate you telling yeah telling us I think it's I think it's super important to be really real about it because I think a lot of the time with fertility stuff in particular you see the end and you see the like, okay, I've been through years and years of struggle, but now I have my family or now I've come through the other side and you tell your story. And I've always, that's amazing because it's very difficult to talk to when you're going through it. But I've also felt that sometimes, you know, being really real about it during it, like during the really difficult times, during the times when you just feel awful and you don't see the end, you know, um, is super important as well because there is just, millions and millions of women you know struggling and well couples struggling so um so yeah I do think it's a really important topic to talk about no absolutely (laughs) and one of the things that I love about you and Alex and this I remember because back in I want to say it was December when you had joined us for a month of our like entrepreneur group and we had a call on a Wednesday night and you're like, I can only stay until eight o'clock because we have a weekly date night. It's every Wednesday, right? Is that the night? Yeah, yeah. And that's something I admire so much about you. Can you just tell us a little bit, like, has, <laughs> has it always been that way or is that something? No, I think it started around, I think it must've been about two years ago. Um, and it started with just like going to the movies every Wednesday night because we, we love going to the movies and we were like, let's try and go once a week. and. Um, but then it just turned into date night and then we were like, let's try other things. And then um, we love going out to eat or for some drinks. So we just tried to do something different every Wednesday night. But it was a real commitment because we were like, if a friend asked to do something or if we had something else on a Wednesday evening, we'd we'd really try to not break it. Like we'd, we'd try to not ever have anything else on a Wednesday evening um, to, to make sure. And, it, and it's a great way just because, you know, 
like everyone knows, you can actually go through the whole week, even if you can be in the same house, but you can go through the whole week without actually having like a real conversation or really spending time together. And you're just both in your own worlds and your work and, and whatever. So we just make sure that we come together on a Wednesday evening. And even if we're just sitting in the house, like having a glass of wine and talking just without our phones, just like a couple of hours of just us. And I think it's, I think it's like, saved our marriage in so many ways just because just dedicating that time to each other you know otherwise you can just get caught up in your in life and you know so yeah no totally and I love that that's why I wanted to ask you about it because I was like I love that you were so like strict about it you're like I can strict, only yeah. stay until 7 55 because then we're going out for dinner and we do this every Wednesday and I was like good for you because it's hard yeah life happens I feel and bad. things happen yeah and it's, it's hard to like keep that time sacred. So I I know. And once you make that commitment to each other, it's like I would be mad if he canceled me or he would be mad if I canceled him because we've really made sure. So that's why even with something like that, I was like, I'm sorry, I can't. Like I have, I have to, I have to honor the, the date night. <laughs> I love that. Uh, well, <laughs> Hannah, thank you so much. Like I loved getting to learn more about your story and hear about your journey, the ups and the downs. Um, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to share with people before we wrap this up. Um, I don't think so. I've really enjoyed it as well. And um, yeah, thanks for thanks for letting me come on. If um, yeah, just if anyone ever, you know, if anyone listening, if they want to reach out for anything that I've spoken about um, or the fertility stuff as well, I would absolutely love to talk to anyone who just, you know, wants to wants to chat it through so um so please feel free what's to reach out what's the best out. way for people to reach out is it through instagram facebook or do you want me to leave your email like i can leave something in the show sure. notes for people um yeah either my email is probably best well email seems a little a little formal so or your website yeah, yeah even my website or my my facebook you could leave i can send you the the details for all three so um so that's yeah you can either any any way really contact me any way you want <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for being a guest today on Embrace the Musica. Thank you for taking time. Hannah's actually on vacation right now, and she's like calling in from the beach. So I'll let you get back thank to the beach you. so you can enjoy the time with your family. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode on Embrace the Musica. I truly hope that there was something on this episode that encouraged you, that inspired you, that motivated you. And I would love to hear if it did. So please take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram, share it with your friends, invite another friend to listen. And until next time, with heart and humility, embrace la musica.